With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there. I hope you had a great summer. I haven't heard that intro music in about three months. Welcome back to the program. Um, Got a lot planned for you this year. Uh, Going to be having Anytown High School back uh, on an every other week basis. We're going to have our educators panel back along with some new members. Um, still going to be able to answer your questions and emails, uh, but probably only about once a month. Um, today being one of those days. Uh, Nice to be back with you here on Collaborative Problem Solving at School, and boy, do we ever need Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Going to read you some stories today, you may or may not know about them, from the news about places that are struggling with their behaviorally challenging kids. Actually, schools are struggling with behaviorally challenging kids in lots of places. It's just that some are trying to deal with that in ways that, well, that, that just don't make any sense whatsoever. We'll be talking about that a little bit today. It's been a really interesting summer uh, in the news as it relates to how some school systems are trying to deal with challenging kids and how some people are trying to help them uh, do it better. But uh, as always, these are your 45 minutes um, we'll be here every week. There's going to be a few exceptions on Mondays because of holidays, but uh, almost every week. Um, these are your 45 minutes. The whole goal here, my goal and the goal of Lives in the Balance, uh, the nonprofit I founded to uh, disseminate the collaborative problem-solving approach completely free of charge and to advocate on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers. The whole goal is to provide a mechanism for people to learn more about collaborative problem solving and 
implement it so that we can be helping behaviorally challenging kids in ways that we presently aren't. So I am delighted that you have decided to join in again. Um, if you do have a uh, question and you're listening live, uh, that number is 646-727-2691. 646-727-2691. We pushed the show back a half hour uh, this year in response to some feedback uh, that I got about um, the fact that lots of folks were having difficulty making the program live um, at the 3.30 Eastern time call. Of course, the 4 o'clock doesn't help uh, our good friends um, in the uh, mountain and um, central and uh, Pacific time zones of the United States. Um, and this later time probably doesn't make life any easier for our listeners in Europe, where we uh, have a nice following of people who listen to the program live. Um, but you can always download it into your iPod. Uh, you can do that on the Lives in the Balance website. And, of course, all of the programs will still be archived on the Lives in the Balance website. I've recently organized them so that you can find uh, archived programs more easily. Um, I will have to see if people like the way I organize things. Um, but welcome. It's nice to be back, and it's nice to have you back listening and learning and participating. Um, well, it was an interesting summer, wasn't it, in the news? Um, from uh, Texas, uh, we learned that um, young kids are being ticketed at school for disrupting class, marking on a wall with a pencil, using a cuss word, scuffling on school grounds and misbehaving on a school bus. And these aren't school-issued behavior tickets that send disruptive students to the principal's office. These are Class C misdemeanor tickets issued by real police officers assigned to schools. And they're sending thousands of Texas students, some under the age of 10, to adult criminal court each school year to face fines of up to $500 community service and court costs. Um, that's just Texas. Uh, I'll read you a uh, letter to the editor that a very enlightened state senator in Texas from Houston, Senator John Whitmire, wrote... Um, describing his thoughts about the wisdom or lack thereof, and it's the latter, of um, that practice in Texas, but uh, Texas isn't alone. Uh, in the Boston area, suspensions and expulsions are up in the Boston suburbs. No excuse for that. The, these are school systems that ought to know better. And I know that because I uh, live in and am presently broadcasting from the Boston area. Almost universally across the board, suspensions and expulsions are up. But I've got some good news 
about that as well. All right, that's Massachusetts, at least part of it. Here's um, New Jersey. The headline from the New York Times, Bullying Law Puts New Jersey Schools on the Spot. Under a new state law in New Jersey, lunch line bullies can be reported to the police by their classmates this fall through anonymous tips to the Crime Stoppers hotline. That's in the uh, East Hanover schools in New Jersey. In Elizabeth, children, including kindergartners, will spend six class periods learning, among other things, the difference between telling and tattling. And in North Hunterdon High School, students will be told that there is no such thing as an innocent bystander when it comes to bullying. If they see it, they have a responsibility to try to stop it. Let me keep reading this article to you. But while many parents and educators welcome the efforts to curb bullying both on campus and online, some superintendents and school board members across New Jersey say the new law, which took effect September 1st, reaches much too far and complain that they have been given no additional resources to meet its mandates. The law, known as the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights, by the way, by the way, this is not in the article, this is me, admirable intentions. Admirable intentions. Of course we don't want kids being bullied. Admirable intentions, I hope, all the way around. Let, let's hope that the intentions are, well, I don't, I could be wrong about this. Let's hope that the intentions are to help challenging kids and to help bullies not bully. The problem, of course, is that um, in New Jersey, the new law demands that all public schools adopt Comprehensive anti-bullying policies. This happened recently in Massachusetts as well as in many other states. Each school has to designate an anti-bullying specialist to investigate complaints. Each district has to have an anti-bullying coordinator. And each system will be evaluated with grades. Educators who fail to comply can lose their licenses. I think this has gone well overboard, says Richard Boza, executive director of the New Jersey Association of School Administrators. He continues, now we have to police the community 24 hours a day. Where are the people and resources to do this? In most cases, schools are tapping guidance counselors and social workers as the new anti-bullying specialists, raising questions of whether they have the time or experience to look into every complaint of harassment or intimidation and write the detailed reports required. Some administrators are also worried that making schools legally responsible for bullying on a wider scale will lead to more complaints and open the door to lawsuits from students and parents dissatisfied with the outcome. Um, I Good intentions, to be sure. Got to do things to stop bullying. And some school systems, I, I suppose, may need to be mandated to do it. The big question is, is, is this the way to do it? Bullies are lacking crucial skills. I know the popular bullying 
uh, mantra is that these kids are predatory, get off on power. Uh, geez, you know, I must be leading a charmed existence, but not the bullies that I work with. Bullies that I work with are lacking crucial social skills frequently. Some of them are lacking a skill related to appreciating how their behavior is affecting others. Some of them are lacking skills related to empathy, taking another person's perspective. All kids need lessons on disagreeing well, on handling conflict well. Those who don't handle conflict and disagreement well often get called called bullies. They're lacking skills. What do they need from us? They need us to figure out what skills they're lacking, and they need us to uh, help them solve the problems that are setting in motion they're bullying. The things that they are doing that are an inappropriate, maladaptive response to social circumstances that they do not have the skills to handle adaptively. If they had the skills to handle those social situations adaptively, they would because, and we might as well start off the new year with the key themes of the collaborative problem-solving approach, because kids do well if they can, and because doing well is preferable. All we've done here is taken the traditional beliefs about challenging kids that we've been applying counterproductively for such a long time, and we've now applied them to a subset of challenging kids bullies kids who are having difficulty handling certain social circumstances in an adaptive fashion ready for the good news here's a story from the Boston Herald about here's a shout out for the Boston Public Schools Number three, 2011, Boston public schools are seeing a massive drop in student suspensions and expulsions, unlike their peers in the suburbs. Boston school officials credited a more proactive approach to discipline. As the Herald reported yesterday, some suburban school districts are issuing more suspensions for drug and violent incidents, as well as less serious offenses, such as skipping school. But in Boston, city of Boston, the number of suspensions and expulsions dropped by over half. And the Brockton and Springfield public schools also suspended fewer students. We changed the definition of what discipline means, said spokesman Lee McGuire, I assume of Boston public schools. There's a lot more intervention in advance. Several years ago, punitive discipline would be the very first thing you'd do. Cool. 
The result has been a culture change. We are seeing a student body that is acting in a much more respectful manner than they were several years ago. It's doing more than just suspension and expulsion. We have a lot more strategies in place, a lot more steps staff can take to preserve the safety of the school. Good for you, Boston. Good for you, Brockton. Good for you, Springfield. These are school systems that frequently have significantly uh, less financial resources per student than some of their wealthier neighbors. Uh, Good for you. And now let me read you a letter written by Senator Whitmire of Houston calling into question the wisdom of what's going on in his state of Texas where once again they are ticketing students and sending them to adult criminal court, thousands of them every school year so that they can be fined, put in community service, and they can pay court costs. As uh, Senator Whitmire writes, the vast majority of these tickets are written for disruption of class or transportation, disorderly conduct, curfew violations, in other words, leaving campus without permission, truancy, and fighting where no weapon or serious injury is involved. Over a five-year period, I hope you're sitting down, Class C tickets were issued to 1,200 elementary school students in Dallas alone. Houston's police department wrote 5,763 Class C misdemeanor tickets to students in 2008-2009 alone. writes Senator Whitmire, consider the case of a 12-year-old special needs student in Austin who was ticketed for disruption of class for applying perfume after peers told her she stank. Does it make sense to send this child and others like her to court? Perhaps it is time to send ticketing to time out and question our own behavior as disciplinarians. A major New Jersey newspaper made it very clear what it thought about student ticketing in Texas. This is not something we should replicate. Schools should be prepping kids for college, not prison, continues Senator Whitmire. Despite evidence that Class C misdemeanor ticketing does little to change student behavior, the practice is widespread in our public schools. According to a recent report released by the Public Interest Law Center, Texas Appleseed, by the way, this report is listed on the Taking Action section of the Lives in the Balance website. More than 275,000 non-traffic tickets are issued annually to juveniles in Texas, many for low-level misbehavior commonly ticketed at school. Appleseed's research shows that my here we go that minority and special education students who are at greatest risk for school dropout are being ticketed at higher rates for low-level nonviolent offenses. In a recent legislative address, Texas Supreme Court Chief Justice Wallace Jefferson made an important point. This is 
Chief Justice Jefferson being quoted, more than 80% of adult prison inmates are school dropouts. Charging kids with criminal offenses for low-level behavioral issues exacerbates the problem. This is a warning worth heeding. Continues Senator Whitmire, Students should be held accountable for their behavior, but criminalizing misbehavior and issuing Class C misdemeanor tickets at schools is not the answer. Why? It is unevenly applied, a waste of limited resources to track and prosecute these cases, and teaches students the wrong lesson. If ticketing is not outlawed altogether in Texas schools, at a very minimum, the Texas Penal Code should be amended to this session to eliminate disruption of class and disruption of transportation as Class C misdemeanors. What should replace ticketing? Continues Senator Whitmire. Schools, law enforcement, and the courts need to be part of finding the solution. Whether it be encouraging campuses to use positive behavioral support programs shown to reduce disciplinary problems, training school police officers in de-escalation techniques and behavior, or moving toward peer mediation and school-based alternatives, whatever the approach, the goal should be restoring responsibility for student discipline to the school in all but the most severe cases. How we discipline should teach students when, where, and how to take responsibility. It can be the most important lesson schools teach. Uh, this is all posted on the Taking Action section of the Lives in the Balance website. Lives in the Balance has taken, act, has taken action. We've sent uh, care packages to key representatives in the state of in the uh, Department of Education in Texas. They need to know about collaborative problem solving. ASAP. I should uh, tell you about one more. I may have mentioned this uh, at the end of last school year when this came to light, but Lives in the Balance has taken action on this as well uh, in Florida. And this was reported on CNN and the Orlando Sentinel. Florida State Representative Kelly Stargell has sponsored House Bill 255, proposing set standards for parental accountability, specifies causes for student underachievement, and requires that teachers in pre-K through grade three assign parental involvement grades on student report cards based on whether parents send their kids to school well-fed and well-rested, whether they adequately supervised homework, and whether they responded to teachers' requests, among other items. And Florida State Senator Rhonda Storms Stargell has sponsored a bill in the Florida Senate with a similar requirement. The problem, of course, is that while both lawmakers have admirable intentions, their solutions are misguided. Grading parents, having teachers grade parents, uh, starts the student, starts the teacher-parent relationship off on an adversarial footing. It's not conducive to the kind of collaboration that is necessary. And if anybody thinks that having teachers grade parents on things like whether kids are well-fed and well-rested, whether homework is adequately supervised, uh, think again. Uh, I've worked in many schools where students 
didn't always come to school well fed. Schools in Maine that I've worked with that had 85% free and reduced lunch. One of our educators panel members, Tom Ambrose, principal now in Freeport, uh, his prior school had 85% or 80%, I don't remember which, free and reduced lunch, suggesting that a whole bunch of kids had issues related to being well-fed at home and grading parents is not the solution to that complex problem. If a parent is having difficulty adequately supervising homework, um, what do they need from us? A grade or help? I mean, the parents who are doing fine are going to get good grades. The parents who are not doing fine are going to get low grades, and I think of low grades in this type of scenario as a punitive intervention. Just on a side note, I'll get back to it, I promise. I, I somehow came to watch several episodes of Master Chef and that other chef show uh, during the summer. Uh, I was entertained briefly and then, I have to admit, found, found it all a bit sickening um, watching chefs abuse people verbally, humiliate people. Apparently, that's entertaining. Uh, having master chefs treat people in a very punitive way, getting them to cry. Um, I don't know. That, that might be good entertainment these days, but it's not good human Uh, humiliating parents with low grades, being punitive toward parents. I've worked with lots of parents who, um, for whom uh, getting food into their kids in the morning before they went to school and working on homework was a major challenge. They needed help, not grades. They, they needed somebody to explore with them. Well, this is just collaborative problem solving. They needed somebody to explore with them what was getting in the way and to lend them a hand. Not grades. So both senators got a uh, care package and Lives in the Balance reached out to them. We're not. This is not adversarial. We assume that if people have misguided ideas about how to approach serious and legitimate problems, then what they mostly need is to be enlightened and to be given some new ideas and to understand the problem that they're trying to address in a more sophisticated way, at which point, and this is what happens when people are doing collaborative problem solving, when 
parents and teachers who've been being punitive with a challenging kid finally learn that this is about lagging skills and not lagging motivation, it often dawns on them without necessarily being told. It often dawns on them. Um, why what they were doing couldn't conceivably have worked in the first place and may well have been doing harm. Um, so I find that information is what people need. Lives in the balance is never going to take an adversarial stance with anybody who's got good intentions but is approaching difficult problems in a way that is doomed I'm not allergic to punitive. I just find that it tends to make things worse. I just find that it tends to push people away from each other, tends to cause alienation, tends to cause people to become unnecessarily adversarial. Not punitive that's needed, it's collaborative that's needed. And no, I, after a few programs, couldn't stomach MasterChef anymore. So I stopped watching. My recollection, I only watched it for a few minutes till I realized it was even worse, is that that other chef show, that, what is it, Something Kitchen, can't remember, was even worse. I'm really sorry that that's what passes for entertainment these days. I mean, I, I I must say I found the cooking part interesting. Um, I found, you know, the time limit on creating something really good fascinating. That, that part was cool. The, the rest... Well, I guess the ratings wouldn't have been very high if they hadn't added the humiliation and the reducing people to tears and treating people harshly and being punitive. Who would watch then? I would have. Why we got to add that stuff? We don't have enough punitive and adversarial stuff going on. Oh, speaking of which... I know, I tend to stay apolitical, but um, what a shame. Our leaders still are having difficulty collaborating on serious problems together. Um, People need jobs. We need our leaders to collaborate, not to posture, not to be about power, not to be about the next election. we got troubles. Um, we want to use MasterChef as our template for how people ought to treat each other. Um, you know, I got I got no other word for what the MasterChefs were doing on that program besides bullying contestants. Better. I wonder if that programs being filmed in Texas. We ought to report them for a Class C misdemeanor. 
wonder what we're modeling for kids when that's what passes for entertainment. That's right, the chefs were bullies. The participants wanted to win badly enough that they took it. Wow. All right, enough of that. You know, I don't do this too often on the program, but I had all summer to uh, focus on these things. And here's the good news. There's a mix. There's some bad news and there's some good news. Good for Boston Public Schools, good for Brockton Public Schools, good for Springfield Public Schools, and good for Senator John Whitmire of Texas. Now we just need to help the rest of them do better. Admirable intentions. Some misguided ideas about how to fix things. So how are things going in your school here at the beginning of the school year? Um, you got your collaborative problem-solving core group organized, y'all? Off to a good start here because um, it's going to take a team effort. We got leaders involved in the core group. It's going to take leaders who will lead. Got a group of seven, eight people who are committed to transforming school discipline so that you got the kind of reductions and suspensions and expulsions that have been brought to light in Boston public schools and in some of the schools that I'm working with in Maine. By the way, the first annual Lives in the Balance annual conference on collaborative problem solving will be in Augusta, Maine, November 14th. 2011, where people who are in the schools in Maine who are implementing collaborative problem solving, and there's about 10 or 12 schools doing that right now under my supervision and that of some of my colleagues here, um, they're going to be there to tell people about it. We're, we're going to be giving recognition awards to people who have bravely and sometimes against all odds, been um, doing the right thing for challenging kids in schools. We're going to give a recognition award to a parent, to a staff member in a restrictive therapeutic facility uh, for doing the right thing by challenging kids and sticking with it and implementing collaborative problem solving. First annual Lives in the Balance Conference on Collaborative Problem Solving, Augusta, Maine, November 14th, 2011. Um, details forthcoming on the Lives in the Balance website. But how's it going in your building? Do you have leaders who are leading the way? We need leaders to help us keep our eye on the ball, to help us stick with it, to galvanize us, to create time if we need it, to practice, to meet, to stick with it. We need our core group to organize the effort. Core group is the one who learn how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems first. 
they learn how to do plan B first. They get together, usually weekly, to sometimes listen to audio tapes of their attempts at plan B so they can learn from each other and give each other feedback. They figure out how they're going to integrate the paperwork of the collaborative problem-solving approach into their existing assessment and monitoring practices in their building. They, and this is likely, they figure out how they're going to need to communicate better with each other because in schools and other facilities, if, if you're not communicating well, you're winging it. Left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. You're winging it. Everybody's doing what they think they ought to be doing and working on what they think they ought to be working on in the way they think they ought to be working on it. That's winging it. And as I've been saying in my talks lately, one thing, one thing challenging kids prove to us beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we're winging it, that isn't cutting it challenging kids. They they need us to be organized, to communicate well. They need us to figure out what we're working on, what we're not working on. They need us to meet, to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as a discussion guide so as to identify their lagging skills and unsolved problems, figure out what unsolved problems we're working on right now. They need us to use the Plan B flowchart to list the unsolved problems we're working on right now and to designate the people who are going to be trying to do collaborative problem solving with the student on those unsolved problems. I know this is not how most schools do school discipline. Why they're writing so many Class C misdemeanor tickets in Texas. Um... Implementing collaborative problem solving is hard. What's going on in Texas is harder. Giving parents grades is harder. How are we going to work together to solve these difficult problems in our building, in our system, in our society? Back to your building. One of the things collaborative problem solving often does is it lays bare all of the communication issues that were plaguing the building before collaborative problem solving arrived on the scene. That's because collaborative problem solving requires good communication. But as I often say these days, the only models of intervention that don't require good communication are the ones that don't work want to help the behaviorally challenging kids in, the, in your building, that, that's going to require good communication. After, oh, three months, and by the way, I've heard from some schools um, that their efforts at collaborative problem solving didn't go as well as they had hoped. I, I hear that sometimes. I, I also hear success stories I don't usually hear um, that things didn't go well in the schools that I and my colleagues are working with, but this is an example. Here is a uh, review 
uh, of my book Lost at School from Amazon.com, and I'm not complaining. Just this is something I hear sometimes. Um, here's the feedback on the book. This is the result of having a school system where children run schools rather than adults. If litigation has gotten us here, I'm not sure how we can recover. The issue is that you can't have 28 Plan Bs in a class of 28. As an adult, no one has ever offered me a Plan B. Children need to understand how to behave and act accordingly. My school tried this for about six months, saw discipline slip out of control, and renewed our approach. Follow the recommendations in this book only if you have a student-teacher ratio of one-to-one. My goodness. I am very sorry, as I wrote in a comment on that um, review. Uh, You know, I'm open to feedback, I promise. But, boy, are there some interesting misconceptions. Uh, When you're implementing collaborative problem solving, the children don't run the schools rather than adults. That's a misconception of the model. You don't have to do 28 Plan B is in a class of 28. You're starting with the students you're worried about the most, the ones you're most likely to lose. Lots of the other kids don't need Plan B here in the first three or four months of school. You get good at Plan B with the three or four or more behaviorally challenging kids that are in your classroom right now. You'll get to Plan B with the rest of them later, but... You don't need to be doing 28 Plan Bs in a class of 28. The vast majority of the students in a school classroom are doing okay. I'm talking about the ones we lose. As an adult, no one has ever offered me a Plan B. I'm very sorry about that. Very sorry about that. I bet it's not true. Children need to understand how to behave and act. Accordingly, collaborative problem solving teaches them just that. My school tried this for about six months, saw discipline slip out of control. Oh, man, I wish you'd have contacted me. And you've got an open invitation to do that because discipline doesn't slip out of control when you're implementing collaborative problem solving well. So what that suggests to me is that there must have been something about how collaborative problem solving was implemented that went astray. And I'm very sorry about that, and I'm delighted to help you all in your school do it right because discipline doesn't slip out of control when you're implementing collaborative problem solving. You you bring discipline into control when you're implementing collaborative problem solving. And no, the collaborative problem solving approach is not only if you have a student-teacher ratio of one to one. That's a misconception of collaborative problem solving makes me wonder in a very serious way about whether the model was implemented the way it should have been. But now, here's the deal. Number one, I'm I'm in admiration. If your school tried it, fantastic. That's That's huge. If it didn't go well, that's tragic, and I'd love to help you out, just like I'd love to help out any school. So, if your school's been trying it and you've been struggling with it, just like the folks at Anytown High School, they before we started working with them on live on the air here on collaborative problem solving at school, the folks at Anytown High School had tried collaborative problem solving too independently and it hadn't gone too well. Sometimes the things that don't go well uh, 
truth is we can help with that sometimes quickly. So I'm always very saddened to hear and concerned that there's a building in which collaborative problem solving well, and as you might imagine, always eager to see if we can rectify that. Um, if what your school went back to was stuff that's similar to what we've been talking about today, that's a pity. I think that's how you continue losing kids. And um, I'm tired of seeing us lose kids. We can do better. And unfortunately, we are now done with this first program of the new school year. Thanks for listening in. Um, we'll be back next week, I think, with any town High School. And, of course, on the first Monday of October, we'll have our educators panel. So we got lots of good stuff planned. Y'all come back now. Talk to you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.